ますよ Amy, I'm so glad you came to share with us. I have always,、um, always admired and loved the work that the Cupcake Girls、uh, do. And、uh, I really encourage you, if, if anything of, of what she said spoke to you,、uh, get in contact with her or, or go through Jamie, connect with this group.、Um, they go places that the, the church traditionally、uh, doesn't go, right? And, and has trouble going, right? And it's even been difficult for them at times. Um, because you know, many of them are believers. The founder is a believer.、Uh, and, and there's this tension because、uh, a lot of the churches that they come from、um, have, we have an evangelical background, this idea of like, going out and saving the lost, right? But how do you go and save the lost that don't necessarily、uh, know or think or want to be saved, right? And that's always been something that has fascinated me. Is how, how do you be in spaces, be in places where people aren't just you know, begging for you to come and save them, right? But you, you establish this, this,、uh, this, um, this presence in, in their lives and, and you be Jesus, really. I mean, I may be churching it up a little bit and Amy can chastise, for me, chastise me for that. That's fine. But I, that's how I see it. I see them as they're going in and. Like it, it, in, in this way, it's like Jesus. I feel like, because I'm a believer in free will, right? I, I don't believe that,、um, that there are just chosen people that、uh, can't resist God, and those are the only ones that are saved, right? And that's a whole theological discussion that we can do some other time. But the, the thing is, is, I believe that Christ came, God reveals himself to people. And it's almost like in, the, in this way, I feel like they're doing that same thing. They're, they're there and they're revealing the kindness and the love and the grace and the mercy and the concern of God. And then they just sit and they wait for whatever comes. And in that way, they're able to be there. And hopefully, you can see from like even a practical standpoint, if they were trying to. Like, you know, throw people in burlap bags and chase them out of, get them out of the club or, you know, anything like that. They're not going to be welcome there, right? They, they, that, yeah, that would put a damper on management, would frown upon that.、Um, and so I, I applaud you guys, and I am so grateful that、uh, many folks in our community have been a part of the Cupcake Girls for a long time, and, and I hope that we continue to be for a long time. And so、um, they have my wholehearted endorsement, and, and so you, Uh, if you're interested at all,、uh, check it out. Agreed? You promise? You promise you'll consider it? Yes. <laughs> okay. It's kind of, kind of quiet in here, isn't it? Yeah, we're missing, you're missing some of that.、Uh, oh, it's Alec. Alec's gone, so that's why it's quiet. Okay.、Um, well, we'll make it work anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, let's go for it. <laughs> that's just what I need. It's the back and forth that, that makes it work, right? <laughs> okay, no, it's just the insecurity. You know, you do this for years and it still doesn't matter. You get up and there's that little moment of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? And I've got a whole like, iPad full of notes. But、um, it's the segues that are difficult. So you just battle on. Sometimes you just talk about it and then you move into your talk. Can you stand up there with you 
Yeah. <laughs> that would be helpful. Just a little moral support. Just chime in from time to time. <laughs> anyway, uh, the weather has been amazing, right? It's been incredible. We, some of us have been talking about that and how much we've enjoyed that. And um, Thursday, oh, I forgot to warn you about this, Jeff. Warning. No, Thursday. Thursday, I got an invite from my good friend Jeff uh, to go on a hike. And um, so he's like, hey, you want to go do this great hike tomorrow on Friday? And, and I uh, was like, yeah, I absolutely do. Let me check with Sonia. And, and uh, Sonia was able to take uh, baby D to uh, her appointment. So, you know, I was, I was suddenly available. I was like, awesome. So, um, you know, I let Jeff know that, that I was available. And then I got this like, awesome text. It got me so excited. I even actually just copied it and pasted it so I could actually read it word for word. Because uh, he said, let's meet at Tannisborn. That's not the part. Um, Tannisborn Town Center Target at 7.15. That's still not the part. And then he said this, short but sweet hike up Kong's Mountain. Kong's Mountain. I didn't even know there was a Kong's Mountain. I, yeah. I didn't even know. Did you know that there is a mountain in the coastal range that's had so many Bigfoot sightings that they've called it Kong's Mountain? Yes. Nice. Did you know that? No. No. I was still reeling from uh, this uh, particular speculation um, when, when Jeff sent me a correction, and it, it was King's Mountain. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Sparks a whole lot less excitement and creativity, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, I was imagining seeing all of the sign, right? Because there's lots of sign from Bigfoot in the woods if you go and you pay attention. Have you ever seen, like, a log just randomly leaning against another tree? It's a sign. It's, yeah, that is a sign. That might as well be Bigfoot feces. It is, you, you can tell they've been there because of that. Because how else is this log randomly going to come up off the ground and be leaned against the tree. Intelligence, intelligence. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping Nancy was going to be in yeah, here for this because Nancy is a huge Bigfoot fan <laughs> and a big believer. My sticks to do the yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. They hoot and they holler and they do the they they play percussion. That's another reason I'm a fan of them. Um, so, but here's the deal. Um, if someone offers you a short hike up a mountain, it, it may not be the situation that you are looking for. Okay? Because when they phrase it that way, right, it's going to be a short hike. That's the part you hear. You're like, oh, it's going to be, it almost sounds like shortcut. Right? There's a shortcut. Right? Like, and we all love shortcuts. Okay. Agreed? Everybody loves a shortcut. Amen. Yeah. It's the American way. Um, it, it was like Jeff was saying to me, hey, would you like all the payoff of a mountaintop view for the price of a short hike? That's, that, I swear that might have been even what he said at one point or another. It may not be, but it, it certainly would facilitate this story better. Um, but um, even though it sounds good, there is a, there's a problem with the geometry. Right? Let me let me illustrate this. Right? If this is a short hike from point A to point B. Right? Well, this is a short hike up a mountain. <laughs> right? Because the hike doesn't get any longer. Right? It's just it, if point A is over here and point B is over here, it's great, you know? But or over here and here. 
but then when it does this, it hurts, right? It's, it's painful, it's difficult. So it quickly turns from, you know, all the view in less than half the time to, uh, you know, let's get this done, but you might have a cardiovascular event. So clearly, in many ways, Jeff is not dissimilar from a cult leader. Did you see? Yeah, see? You, I, I thought you would see the connection there. Yes. That that was absolutely clear. Because, you know, um, well, and if you couldn't, those who are um, duped by cult leaders often can't recognize them for what they are. Um, but both the cult leader and Jeff, and that's mainly why I wanted to do this story this way, so I could just make this inference. Um, they both manipulate hu- uh, the basic human disposition, right? That, that most of us are predisposed to dislike waiting. Is that, is that true for most? Who dislikes waiting that's in this room? Let's take a yes. scientific survey. Yes, it's all of you. And, and so it completely reinforces my view. Um, so if someone promises uh, a shortcut, we're totally susceptible to their proposal, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yeah. Say yes, and I'll finish this talk up really quick. Um, anyway, it'll be a shortcut. Uh, so listen to, but seriously, this is science. Listen to how similar these two statements sound. Listen closely. It's a short hike to the top. Or, hey, you could wait for Jesus or I could stand in as your Messiah. Scary how similar those two ideas are, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. Okay, whether or not you're with me on the whole Jeff is a cult leader thing, I think we can agree that waiting is something which is difficult for many of us, right? And, and that's one of the themes of Advent. We started celebrating Advent this last week. And in, in the themes that the, the readings from Scripture emphasize are these ideas of waiting and longing. And last week I, I spent some time talking about how um, in, in uh, the church that I come from, the kind of the uh, evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal church, Right, um, really, a lot of the Protestant Church uh, has abandoned uh, certain traditions, like the celebration of the traditional Christian year. And so, Advent uh, isn't really—I I didn't even really know that much about it. I've heard people talk about it. I often just thought of it as uh, synonymous with the Christmas season. There's Advent; it's it's the Christmas season. This is all part of the same thing. But um, as I studied it, I was like, man. Uh, like Advent is to Christmas what Lent is to Easter. That Advent is this season, this time, when we can, um, through prayer and through uh, maybe our talks that are selected from certain uh, parts of Scripture, we can pause the celebration of, of Christ's arrival and we can think about what it is to wait and, and to long. Um, because that, that, that brings us, like we need both. Right? We talk about already but not yet a lot. That's a, a, a phrase that a lot of New Testament theologians use, that the kingdom of God has already come and has already begun uh, in, on earth, but it's not yet complete. And this is why we, and you'll experience this in your life. You'll have moments with God that you are like, wow, I'm already there. I'm, I'm in, in the heavenlies. I'm connected to God. And then you're going to have the not yet moments. 
The times when you, you're waiting and you're going, wow, God, where, why is this not working? Or you'll look around the world and you'll see people waiting and longing for salvation, waiting and longing for deliverance, right? And, and Advent gives us this time. It gives us these, these three or four weeks leading up to Christmas to s- stop and pause and go, yeah, Christmas is coming. There's a celebration coming. But let's wait for a moment. Let's consider how Israel had to wait for the Messiah. Let's consider how we now are waiting for the return of Christ. And so that's the season we're in. and um, It's becoming deeply meaningful to me. And I love that I got to call Jeff, uh, or at least call him the question that he might be a cult leader. Um, but I, I, I totally ruined this great moment. Didn't I? It's distracting me. Anyway, it's week two of Advent. And um, as we spoke about last week, Advent suspends the celebration of Christmas to consider the times of longing and hope for God's salvation to come. Uh, And like I said, we consider the waiting for both Christ's original arrival as well as his second coming to make the world right. So this week we're going to look at a reading from uh, 2 Peter. And we'll be looking at 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. If you want to uh, find your way there, if you want to read along, you can. Um, but the early church and the audience that uh, Peter uh, is writing to, or that Second Peter here is addressing, um, they heard, I think, a lot of the same kind of discouragement and, um, and even doubt that, that we experience today. Uh, the dictionary of um, the, late, uh, the later New Testament uh, had this phrase in its article on Second Peter. It said that uh, the parousia... Or we spoke about this last week. It's that that's the uh, arrival. It's a Greek word for the arrival or the the coming of Christ. The parousia had been expected during the lifetime of the apostles, but the first generation of Christians had passed away, and and in the opponents' view, this proved the primitive Christian eschatological hope to have been mistaken. There would be no eschatological judgment. No divine intervention to eliminate evil and to establish a world of righteousness. So these opponents of early Christians and early Christian thought, uh, they were casting doubt on the Christian expectation of the return of Christ. And and as they were uh, casting doubt on that, they were advocating for uh, a more uh, liberal ethic that that, um, basically... uh, there's nobody checking up on you, right? Matter of fact, I, as I read that, I thought it sounds, you know, very similar to the world that we live in. You know, I've read and heard all of these same arguments um, from everybody from like a PSU freshman that I sat and talked with to, you know, world-famous philosophers making these same arguments. The argument that there is no God watching. There's nobody keeping track of things. There will be no ultimate settling of accounts. And Jesus is not returning to make things right. And, and because of that, oftentimes, and this has happened throughout history, this is a, a philosophical turn that people will make. And they, they made it in the time of uh, the, the, the teachers that were opposing the early church, and they make it today. That if that's true, if all of that is true, do whatever makes you feel good. Right? And then in our age that uh, has, um, I think the caveat to that is do whatever makes you feel good, you know, within reason, as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. 
And that kind of boils down to the philosophy uh, of kind of the milieu that I think we live in a lot of the time. Um, so waiting, I think, has the potential to produce doubt and discouragement. And we know this. We know this is uh, like those addressed by the biblical writers. We know they experience doubt and discouragement. I mean, this is why second, uh, the letter of Second Peter is saying what he's saying. Or we even hear it in the voice of the psalmist when he's crying out. And he's asking, you know, where is God? When we hear the prophets lament, we know that they're experiencing doubt and discouragement. We even have this famous image of, of Christ on the cross asking why the Father has forsaken him. Right? So this, this experience of, um, I often refer to it as the apparent absence of God, is part of the human condition. And it's, it's part of what it is to wait and to long for, for something different and to long for things to be made right. And so we're faced with those same questions. Why hasn't Christ returned? Why is there so much suffering? How long must we wait? Is living a life of faith even worth it? Now this passage from Peter, it definitely will not answer all of these questions, but it, it points the way uh, to some things we can learn from waiting. So 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, and going forward says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, uh, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, as we enter into week two of Advent, the theme is patience. Aren't you excited? Yes. Patience. Who wants more patience? Who just loves being, like, patience? Yeah, we need it, right? Uh, my friend Kathy sent me a meme this week, and she, it said, um, I had my patience tested, and I'm negative. <laughs> right? I'm like, totally legit. And it's like the time of the year that our patience is tested, is it not? We're frantic, we're busy, we're overwhelmed, we've got so many things to do, and the last thing that we have time for is patience. Am I right? Yep, yep, yep. Oh man, so as we enter into this uh, talk about patience, I'm just going to tell you as an activator, type A, start strong, finish weak kind of person, <laughs> patience is not, right? I'm coming to you really out of a, I'm talking about this out of a place of weakness and out of a place of God help me, have mercy, Lord have mercy. 
Um, so I'm just going to focus on one verse from this section, and it's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and I'm just going to read it to you one more time so we can get it in our heads. On patience, on waiting, Peter writes, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Do you feel like he's reframing it? Like, let's not call this slow. Let's call this patient. That might be my trouble with pain. Anyway, instead, he is being patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The message writes it like this. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Isn't that powerful? So many times I look at circumstances, situations, I look at my even my own doubt. Honestly, as I come to this text, I'm like, is God coming back? What is it? And you know, I'll get distracted by the following verses about like heavens opened, things on fire, you know, and I'm like, how is this gonna all go down? And I'm kind of focused over there. But Honestly, even as I struggle and as I do this, I'm like, well, the bottom line is that waiting is hard. Waiting increases my doubt. Waiting tests my limits. Waiting makes me second guess and, and, and complain. You guys, when you're waiting in line, the easiest way to get in a conversation with someone is to do what? Complain about how long it is, right? That's like the common, human common denominator, right? But the good news, I love this. N.T. Wright says this about this passage. Here's the good news. We are not being patient with God. God is being patient with us. Isn't that good? God is being patient with us. God is being patient so that we can repent. God is choosing restraint so that you and me and everyone has an opportunity to change. It's grace. It's grace. It's the opportunity for us to change. So two questions, and I'm going to need a response here. These are not just rhetorical, okay? First question, what does this verse that I just read, what does this verse tell us about God? What do we know about God from this verse? He's forgiving. Yeah, he wants to, right? It's like his, his, his desire. Merciful. Parent. What? I think of a parent Yes, a parent being patient. A good parent being patient. I was thinking about this because it's so, it, I'm so not patient. I was thinking about how when Renick was little, I would only buy him Velcro shoes because I didn't want to teach. I didn't have patience to teach him how to tie his shoes. That's legit true. I, <laughs> I get him ones that he doesn't have to tie. He can just slip them on. Yes. Still have, he's 11 and I'm still. <laughs> it's a whole generation. Yeah. He's not slow in keeping his promise. He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He can't be provoked. That's what I, he can't be provoked and manipulated. Yeah. He has our good in mind. He doesn't want ruin for anyone. See, sometimes I think, even as a believer, as I'm walking my faith out, and I stumble and I fall, I'm waiting for him to come down on me. That's not what he wants. He wants all of us to change, to transform, to come to a place where we're changing. He wants to be in right relationship with everyone. That's his heart. His heart is, I want to be in right relationship. I want to be in a right relationship with everyone. I have conflicting feels about this, to be honest with you. So I, it, the, when, I, when I'm working through a passage, I'm not always convinced. I just need you to know that. Myself wrestles with the text, okay? So 
I am a rend the heavens and come down right now kind of a person, okay? I look, I, you know how I like to consume a lot of news and I like to see what's going on in the world. Refugees, wars, genocide, starvation, bullets, you name it. I see all that stuff and I'm like, God, get down here now and make things right. I don't want to see any more suffering. I don't want to see people, like, I, don't, I want all this to stop. I don't want God to wait. I don't want him to wait. I want him to come now. I want justice exacted right here in this moment. And then on the other hand, what I'm understanding, what I'm, what the pushback that I'm getting from this verse, from taking time and reflecting during Advent, is that God's patience is for good. That everyone would have an opportunity to be reconciled to him. What I don't like, here's what I don't like about this. So this is me going back and forth. Run the heavens and come down. No, I understand, God, you're waiting. Your patience is good. It's so that people can know you, be in right relationship with you. There's an opportunity for change. This is okay. Yes, that's what I want. Okay, what I don't like still is the delay of justice, right? There's a tension there, is it? Let's just be honest. There's a tension. God, come right now. God, wait, because I want more people to know you. I want more people to get in right relationship with you, yeah. all right? So it's how we come to the second question that I want to spend some time exploring today, which is, what shall we do as God waits on us? What should we do? We're in this time between times. Christ has come. He's left. We're waiting for him to come back. What, what do we do right now? Are we going to just entertain ourselves until Jesus returns? Is it like a windowless, dull doctor's office with magazines that no one is interested in? <laughs> is this our existence? Is our existence... You know, just the mundane, is it, are we just holding on until Jesus comes, hunkering down? What are we doing? And what I conclude is our existence is not meant to be boring or to produce indifference. And, and I, I hope that you get this morning that what we do matters. You matter. Your participation in God's purposes and in reconciling all to him, it matters. It matters, and it's important. N.T. Wright says this, God's patience is our opportunity. It's our chance to work on the holy, godly lives we ought to be living. It is our chance, too, to spread the gospel in the world. Since we know that the day is coming, the day when the new heavens and the new earth will emerge, filled to the brim with God's wonderful justice, his glorious setting right of all things, we should be working towards that already, here and now. So the first part of this, you guys, the first thing that needs to happen, we need to be changed. We do. Us. Us in this room. The church. The people who are called by his name. We need to be changed, don't we? We need transformation. God waits so that we can repent. God waits so that we can be transformed. We need repentance. Every day that God waits, we have an opportunity to be more like Jesus and less like selfish jerks. And that is good. That is Amen. good. We need that, we need that change. We need that transformation. God's patience is so that we can be changed. If we aren't, if we aren't being transformed, if we aren't being healed, if we aren't being renewed, if we aren't growing in love and kindness and graciousness and being forgiving and humble, if our wounds aren't being healed, then you guys, if the church, if that's the church, if we're not being transformed and changed and healed and made whole, if we don't believe this stuff and we're not experiencing it, our words are what? They're just empty, aren't they? They fall flat. They fall short. We're not even convinced. And what I realize when I'm in conversations and I realize about myself is that if I do not know for sure, I don't want to say it, right? Yeah. And so if I'm feeling timid about that, 
If I'm not sure that God really wants to heal those wounds in my life, if I'm not, right, if, if I'm still harboring unforgiveness, if I'm still wounded from words from my brother or sister, then I can't, I can't pass that along. <laughs> I can't share the good news that I'm called to share. So you guys, first, we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed. We need to be changed. Okay? And I suspect, you guys, because here's the thing that I get from this passage. God wants to heal us. God wants to draw us into right relationship. He wants to repair any rift or any wall. He wants to, you know, he wants to repair the rift in our relationship with him. And I suspect that if we go to him, if we're honest, we're saying, this is where I'm disappointed, God. This is where I've fallen off. This is what I don't believe. You say this, I don't know that I believe that. If we can be honest with him and wrestle with him and ask him, God, what do you have to say about that? If we will do that, I suspect that we will be surprised and amazed at how full and complete the compassion of God will be for us. And he has something to say that will heal us and make us whole and transform our lives. And if we'll be transformed, if we come to repentance, we can genuinely hope for and participate in transformation, change, salvation for others, for the freedom and the liberation of people around us. We long for that. The world is aching for reconciled relationships. The world is aching for freedom and liberation. And if we can be people who are liberated and free and living in that, you guys, we can share that with the people around us in a world that is longing for it. People will enter into new relationships with God, and what we'll find is that we, fi- we will find ourselves living the very real and eternal life of the future here and now. Okay. Um, in this passage, Peter says this. He says, In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, Since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. My perfectionism kicks in right here, right? And and here, honestly, as I am tackling my perfectionism, it's like hearing, it's it's the enemy, right? Like, you're not going to be good enough. You are not blameless. You are not spotless, right? Those are the voices that pop in my head right away. I don't know if this happens to you when you read scripture, but it's like there are 10 million voices over here, and I want to hear the voice of God, right? That is not that voice. That's what I know for sure. I might not know exactly what God is saying, but I know that it's not condemnation. Okay? So, um, as you listen, in case you were thinking that, I say that. Um, But he says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. The instruction here is to keep our mind on this future kingdom. And as we do that, to persevere, to not be corrupted. Basically, to be found in Christ to remain in him. That's the only way. It's not our own will, right? Like self-righteous. Our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. It's like our, any good, like to be spotless and blameless is to be found and to be remain, to remain in Christ. That's how, that's how we are found that way. So we're called to be uncorrupted, to remain in him and to be at peace with him. Now I was just for my own fun, um, uh, I, I for, and for my own growth, I was like, what is blameless? When Peter is talking about blameless, where, what does this word even mean? And so there's only one other time in scripture where this word is used, and it's in Philippians, and Paul uses it, and he says this. He's instructing the Philippian church, and he says, go out into the world blameless. Go out into the world uncorrupted. And I'm reading from the message in here. Go out into the world uncorrupted or blameless, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. 
Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God and carry the light-giving message into the night. It's a powerful, powerful image. Here's an exercise of thought and prayer for us. Imagine the future kingdom, okay? Imagine it, perfect justice. Like, no injustice. Perfect rightness. No corruption, no brokenness, no decay, no degradation. I, I mean, imagine imagine new heaven and new earth. Imagine, just visually, imagine the colors. Like, how pure and undefiled, not dulled by pollution or contamination. And we see red, and we're like, oh, there's red. What is red without pollution? Like, what is red with, like, perfect water that causes this, like, beautiful... Do you see what I... Like, what is that? Like, just imagine the colors of how, how pure and vibrant. Um, it, just imagine that. And, I, and like, I was going through senses, like smells, and I don't know what smells heavenly to you, but in my mind, someone is always grilling, like there's a smell of grilled food all the time, but also fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Like, I don't know, this is how heaven, there's like a piece of heaven that is like this for me, okay? Um, Anyway, I was going to go farther, but I won't. I'll stop there. Uh, but imagine, imagine, just imagine the perfection, right? Imagine no sickness, no death, no cancer, no fear, no pain. Imagine, like, perfectly healthy community and whole relationships. Okay, just, just imagine that future kingdom, right? Take that picture of all things right and ask God, how do you want me to begin to live that future kingdom life right now? What piece of that future do you want me to participate in today? How do I behave and what do I do and what do I involve myself in that begins to live out that future kingdom of right relationships, of justice, of truth, of purity, of, of fellowship and relationship and, and recon being reconciled with one another. How, how do we begin to do that today? How will that image, how will that practice transform how we treat one another? If we are gonna live kingdom values that's of the future now, how will that change our conversations and how we talk to one another? How does God's kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That idea, how does it guide us in our activities and our efforts and where we spend our time and what we're doing with our lives? The verse that came to mind was Micah 6, 8. Because it's like, God, how do you want me to live? How do you want me to do this? And whatever picture, maybe there was something that came to mind right away. There's, there's a, an organization like Cupcake Girls that you are like, yeah, I should get involved. I need to be a part of, of bringing justice and making things right and creating scenarios of right relationships. Maybe it's for, for us, when I was listening to this, I was like, man, I, how do I continue to engage with foster care? How do I, right, there are different, there might be very practical things, there might be relationships that came into mind that you're like, I want this relationship to be reconciled. God, show me, show me how, give me the steps. God has something to say, he has a way, you guys, for us to participate in making things right, doesn't he? And I think a test, maybe a verse that we can take whatever idea or whatever the spirit, whatever we think of as we, as we ask ourselves these questions, a verse that I think that we can test all of that against is Micah 6.8. He has shown you people what is good. And what does God require of us as we are waiting here, as God is waiting on us? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. That's what we're to do. That's what we're to do. 
So in this Advent season, while God waits, while God waits, grab a hold of the future that's promised to us. And through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, begin to walk and live that stuff out. I have a, um, a simple, practical way that I want to invite all of you to participate in um, and how we can begin to live this stuff out very hands-on. And uh, what I did, we're going to get to our response time now here at the Groves. What we do is we just take time at the end to respond. We'll have um, the worship team will come back up and we'll do a song together. And we have communion that's on the table here. And there's a basket for giving. Um, you can also give online on our website. Um, and we can, I, I really want us to just hear from the Holy Spirit and, and take time to respond. But one action that we can take is I've put a bunch of little cards out here on the response table. And all of those cards have an item on there. And what I would like us to do is to, um, one of the organizations that we work with is called Embrace Oregon. And what they do is they work with foster children, foster kids, fostering the system, I should say, from little, little, itty, bitty babies to um, young adults that are transitioning out of foster care. And so what I thought we could do as a community is to um, fill what they call a launch box. And a launch box is for young adults that are, that are transitioning out of foster care through Embrace. And it has things like toilet paper, towels, toothbrush and toothpaste, very practical things, laundry detergent. And, and honestly, if there's something on that you're like, oh man, I'd like to get, just pick up stuff. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna fill, we do have a, 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 a maximum that we can fill, which is like a, a large tub, and we're gonna just put all that in a tub and it'll head off to Embrace. But that is a way, right, that we can participate <laughs> in what God wants to do, which is to make things right. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, if you would, um, and then the next week and then next Sunday, we'll collect those things and put them all together and we'll have one launch box. Um, it, this is really awesome. If you're interested in just doing that all on your own, there are welcome boxes that um, they have all instructions, everything you need to put. Those are boxes for kids as they're pulled from their homes and they're waiting at the DHS offices for placement. There are welcome boxes that are there for kids so that they have something to do and to occupy the time. There are another boxes of love. Those are larger boxes that are for two years. These boxes, we just finished, like Dominic just used his last outfit this summer. It lasts for two years. Boxes of clothes that go with these kids wherever they go, if they return to families, if they're in foster care, these boxes, toys, clothes, things that they need. That's another thing, that's about a $500 like that's about how much stuff goes in there and then there are these launch boxes so if that's something that you're interested in doing and honestly you can bet we're going to be doing this again and again as a community but those are that's just a way right that we can be engaged and involved on a practical level so anyway um that's what i'm going to call you to for response and um I'm, i'll just pray and then uh, the worship team will come up and uh we'll uh, kind of close out our time here uh, this morning uh, let's pray God, we are, um, I'm just so grateful for your faithfulness. And I'm thankful, God, that you are so merciful and you're so patient with us. Um, I acknowledge, God, and confess my own desire for justice externally and mercy for me. And I'm just so grateful, God, that you are compassionate. You are slow to anger and you are abounding in love. And I pray, God, that um, that part of who you are, that character, that truth, God, that we would recognize that and see that and grow personally in that, God, that those attributes of who you are, God, would be um, 
would be manifested, would grow and mature in us. God, I pray this morning that you begin to show us, God, the pieces of your kingdom that you want us to grab a hold of and walk in. Um, God, show us, give us opportunities, God, to be loving, gracious, kind, compassionate people. Let us be, God, hands and feet that represent you and your mercy so well. We love you, God. We love you. Speak to us now, God, as we respond to you. Um, we love you.